turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matter. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton has been a friend of mine for 25 almost years, maybe somewhere in between 22 and 24 I met him when I was working at Mercury Capital Management. You were doing what, Chad? Well, I was a financial advisor, okay. um, still working at what's called a broker dealer, trying to you know create a fee only practice inside of a, a non fee world. I guess back then, uh, still working with my grandfather and on some of his clients. While I was building up my own business as his clients, you know, he was in his late seventies then, and his clients were older. So they were, you know, quickly fading away. And I was creating my own business inside of the old way of doing things, I guess you could say. It's interesting how much things have changed in the past 25 years. Big, big, big changes. You can listen to Chad's podcast. He's a certified financial planner. They're on all platforms, his podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any of the podcast streamers that are out there. You can listen to them on your phone. One hour a week will help you enormously with your financial planning thoughts and ideas as you cruise towards wealth management. He is a regional director. He's got a team of CFPs with with EP Wealth. Years of experience on air. I'm looking forward to a good show. Chad, Burton.com is his website. It's chadburton.com. Let's talk about one thing that we learned in 2022, Chad. I think for the first time in 15 years of working with you, inflation became a really, really big story. And it instantly dawned on me, whoops, the target number that I had for retirement needs to be adjusted because everything that I'm going to consume in retirement probably is going to be the stickier inflation, not the stuff that ebbs and flows, the transitory um, per se. It wasn't light. It was heavy. What do we need to know about retirement being more expensive and how inflation played a role in that? Well, the, I mean, we always talk about the value of the dollar being cut in half about every 18 years or so. And so, you know, people... When they retire, they're like, oh, well, if I can afford to live off of 4% of my portfolio, so I'll just invest in a very safe way that just generates that 4% over time and I'll be fine. And that's not the case because you're going to be spending twice as much as you are now in 18 years. So you have to have growth and income in your portfolio. Okay. And we did enjoy a couple of decades of globalization and lower labor costs and 
you, you know, having to buy less goods like electronics because you know, we don't have DVD players and VHS players anymore, right? We, it's all online. Interesting. Um, things became more, it, things became cheaper. And now we're going to see the opposite side of that. We're going to see deglobalization that started because of COVID and now geopolitical issues and, and realignments of global powers. And so we're going to see more businesses have to diversify their supply chain, come back into the U.S. and Mexico. Labor costs are going to be a little bit higher. I think we've seen peak inflation. Um, I think that that's the case. And, and it's just kind of a readjustment. We've always been dealing with at least, you know, two and a half, three percent inflation projections on financial plans, plus five percent inflation on healthcare costs. I don't think that changes in the long run. You just go through these decades of a little bit higher than normal inflation, a little okay. bit lower than normal inflation. And we just went through two decades of a little bit lower inflation. So, you know, guess what? We've got the opposite potentially coming here. So you and I, we've talked for 20 plus years and I try to simplify your complex ideas. And I used to say things on air like $1 million should get you about $40,000 of income in retirement. That's before you pay taxes. But that's the rough idea. If you're going to need an 80,000 plus social security, you need $2 million should be your roadmark. If you want to travel and, and live large, maybe you need 3 million or 4 million. Um, how wrong is that 1 million equals $40,000 right now in income retirement? I think the safer bet is, you know, that old 4% rule of thumb. You got to remember that was created in the 90s when people used to be able to get 4 to 6% on their CDs and you could get a pretty conservative laddered bond portfolio and get around 6 or 7%. And we're still not there yet. We're still historically low on interest rates, Rob. So we started the year uh, you know, in 2022 sub 2% on the 10-year treasury. Now we're over 3%, but we in 2007 the 10-year treasury was yielding over 4% prior to the great recession. So we had all this government stimulation, you know, pumped into the system lowering rates for all these years. And now we're on the opposite side of that. So with higher inflation and lower yields on your cash, your CDs, and your bonds, I would say that a million is at $35,000 a year. And that's assuming you're going to be making more than 3.5%, but you got to leave money in there for growth in the future to make up for inflation because you're going to draw out 35000 a year in the first year. But in the next year or two, you're going to have to adjust it upwards for inflation because you're going to say, hey, you know what, that 35000 isn't going in far, as far as it was a year or two ago. You just said something that kind of spooks me because I'm over 50 now. And when we met, I was a young man and had a long time before I thought there was going to be a math quiz. Distribution planning steps, taking money out. I'm a growth accumulator. You are a wealth management manager, in my opinion. That's oversimplification. You're much more than that. Um, but what do we need to know? And we've got about three minutes in this segment on distribution planning steps. Well, there's a lot that goes into it. First of all, is a basic cash flow modeling and the idea of, you know, are you going to have a lot extra left over when you're 100 years old? And we need to really focus on tax planning for you and your kids? Or do you barely just have enough to make it to 100? Um, so it kind of changes. And, and also, when are we taking Social Security? There's kind of a distribution planning phase between now and when you're going to take Social Security. So if you're retiring at 62, but the numbers say don't take Social Security till you're 70, that's, that's an eight-year plan for that distribution phase. Then Social Security changes uh, at age 70, and then it changes again, Rob, when your required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts kick in. So at age 72, you have to start pulling money out. 
And it's interesting because the, the tax planning changes, right? When you're younger, you're like, how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year? Right. But when you, as soon as you hit retirement, sometimes it's better to pay a little bit more taxes in the first few years of retirement so that you can pay a lot lower taxes in the future when your required minimum distributions kick in. So it's how can I level out my taxes and keep it lower for longer in retirement? Um, so the first thing you kind of do is, is set up, okay, what's my automatic income from pension, social security? I look at my taxable accounts, you know, my non-retirement accounts, how much dividends and interest am I receiving and how much cash do I have on hand? And then you just have to start saying, okay, tax-wise, what's the next best account to draw from if I still need more income besides my social security and my dividends and interest? So meeting and then working with a CFP is probably a wise idea because a lot of what you just said makes me gloss over. It almost feels like there's a worksheet that I need or a computer software module. Um, can people do it on their own if they've got multiple accounts? Have you seen people make mistakes? Oh, yeah. I've seen me, people make mistakes all the time. I mean, I think part of it is that one mistake that people make is they, they're going to financial advisors, so-called financial advisors, but they're just getting charged, you know, one and a half, two percent for a pie chart portfolio. The portfolio these days with technology is the easiest part of what we do. And it's the, um, the all the other planning, the forecasting. That's, that's the, the hard part. Okay. So I was great at investment advising and portfolio management. You're basically saying that I'm obsolete, which is a big thank you to me. But it also shows the <laughs> importance of being a CFP and working with a CFP. Chad, let's continue our conversations from the past where we've talked about retirement becoming more expensive. The year 2022 was a year of higher inflation than we had ever seen in 15 years. There may be spots where parts of inflation like medical cost or electronics cost or um, groceries have been more expensive or less expensive. But it really dawned on me as I get closer to retirement and actually care now, I'm no longer immortal, that I need to rethink some of the stuff. Let's talk about why is retirement more expensive? What does that mean to you? Well, you know, I, I think as we've talked in the past, I mean, we've always assumed a certain amount of inflation in retirement. I don't think that's going to change too much over a 35-year period. You just go through decades of high inflation, low inflation. Um, healthcare costs always rising 5 to 6% should be projected in a plan. Okay. Um, the, the biggest issue, Rob, is still why is retirement more expensive? It's because the rate of return on your safer money has dropped and it's still extremely low. So I have no problem believing that over you know, 20, 30 year period in retirement that stocks will still average 10, 11% like they always have. And the mm. typical situation is that stocks are positive around 70% of the time, negative around 30% of the time. But when you go through long periods of time, they average 10, 11%, right? Just look at you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 year periods and that's what happens. Um, and so stocks will take great care of you over time as long as you you know, are not ever having to sell in a down market. We can talk a little bit about that later. But the biggest issue is cash and bonds. So when I got into the business back in 1993, I, I remember when my grandfather, so he sold annuities and mutual funds at the bank. That's why I know that area so well. And it's kind of why it steered me into the world of fee-only fiduciary-based planning. Because back then, Rob, annuities were actually a good thing. Right? right, because taxes were much different. Capital gains taxes were twenty seven percent. 
And he showed me these contracts that were maturing um, from the 10 years prior to that. So the mid 80s, where people got 7% locked in for 10 years from insurance companies, right? Now, inflation was really high back then. So there was an offset of it. But similar things like that now, you can get like 3.85 to 4% for five years. You see what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there's a, their interest rates are much lower. If you look at the 10-year treasury, considered one of the safest vehicles in the world from the government, it's still you know, under 4%, where it was over 4% in 2007 prior to the Great Recession. So when you look at a typical portfolio in retirement, but when I got into the business, you know, what, almost 29 years ago, um, people used to invest 40% in stocks and 60% in bonds and other instruments like that. So bonds, CDs, things like that. And now it's flipped. <clears throat> now it's more like the typical portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. So back, even if we look back prior to 2007 and you know, early 2000s, um, let's say you're investing in a more conservative stock portfolio with 50% of your money um, and, and you only assume an 8% rate of return to, you know, just be more conservative, right? And then 10% of your, 10 to 15% of your money is typically in cash type instruments. And back then you could get at least 3% on your savings accounts and your CDs. And then 40% of your money in bonds, easily around 5%. So the total return on that type of a portfolio was, you could pretty conservatively expect 6.3% or more growth in income, right? Well, you know, if we fast forward to now bonds are only paying around, you know, bond funds, conservative ones around three, three and a half percent, and cash is only like, you know, one to two percent, it drops your expected rate of return on a conservative estimate to five and a half percent. So that's that's you know, going from six point three to five point five. And again, these are conservative numbers. That's not what I'm expecting. That's that's like if I look back over a 10 year period, that's a mediocre. Uh, time to invest, you know, kind of like 2007 to 2017, like just the ugly period, right? Sure. Um, so it's it's nearly a one percent differential in return because the safer money is paying you less, and Got we're it. still in a l- area of low interest rates, yet a little bit higher inflation. So retirement has become more expensive. Retirement's more expensive now than for your parents and grandparents. Interesting to put it that way. You talked a little bit about selling in a down market, also probably buying a bad stock that doesn't work out in retirement are two of the worst things that can happen. How do we avoid those issues? Well, first of all, you know, going into retirement when you're in that, you know, some people call it the red zone 10 years prior to retirement, you've got to start whittling away at your high concentrated positions. You don't want to go into retirement you know, unless you're ultra wealthy with more than three and a half to five percent in any one stock, single stock position. Okay. Um, now, and there's ways to do that, whether it's you know selling covered calls or doing option strategies and things like that, where you're trying to protect, still participate in some upside and protect some downside. There, you know, that's a whole show probably. Um, but that's the single stock issue. When you're going into retirement, the stock market is going to take great care of you. You just have to realize that you know every five to seven years you're going to go through a recession. Every you know ten years you're going to have these events like we had during COVID of these steep declines. And as long as you're never selling in a down market, you're going to be just fine. 
But the problem is, is when people go into retirement fully invested in stocks and even bonds, because this is a year like, like 80 and 81, where both stocks and bonds are down because of rising rates. So you have to have some cash on the sidelines, three years worth of portfolio draws so that if the market's down, all right, well, I'm going to live off my dividends and from stocks and interest from bonds and the cash that I have in the bank. And I'm not going to sell stocks again or bonds until the market recovers. And so you have to have a very careful cash flow projection to identify what are the portfolio draws. It's not your expenses. It's your expenses minus things like Social Security, pensions, stable rental income, dividends and interest that you're going to get on your taxable accounts. You really got to map it out because one of the biggest risks in retirement is the order of stock market returns. The stock market's going to average over 20, 30 years, 10, 11%. But so, you know, what if you retire in 2020 and now you're dealing with kind of a, not a fun market for the first couple of years of retirement? It's kind of scary if you don't have a plan for it. And that's probably the number one email I got in 2022. I've gone to cash. When do I get back in? Oh, man. That's, and that's such a... The people that went into cash during COVID are just kicking themselves, even though the market's still down. You're still way up from April of 2020. Or March of 2020. Like, it's crazy when, when people, how fast it happens. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. We have a lot of years of experience, Chad, and I, I, I think it's fair to say we might be more prepared for what's next because we've been through a lot, but we haven't been through everything. Fair to say? Fair to say. And it's also fair to say that if I look at the picture that shows up on my iTunes podcast yeah. photo... <laughs> It's from 12 years ago. <laughs> so I'm going to figure out how to update that. Forever 30. Uh, yeah, that could yeah. be your clone if you have a clone. <laughs> I like it. Uh, my, what is it called when your sister has a kid? Is it my cousin or my nephew? I think it's my nephew. nephew my niece. Yeah. Nephew or niece. So she's big into Billie Eilish. And let me tell you, Billie Eilish um, perfume is a lot of vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> so visiting with her, it's like a vanilla heaven. But that is a digression. Let's talk Social Security. And 2022, we saw a big COLA adjustment. COLA is a cost of living adjustment. It is meant to kind of understand inflation and how it affects retirees. Um, Social Security was meant as a safety net, a supplemental help. It was not meant as the main retirement income for seniors. But let's talk about inflation and colas and, and what we're seeing out there and, and what we need to know because you are the expert, Chad. Well, yeah, I mean, we're seeing estimates of you know what will the jump be for you know payments starting in 2023, but a lot of that's going to be likely eaten up by higher healthcare costs on Medicare Part B premiums and other things like that. So, you know, don't get too excited about it. Um, Should we get excited about the Inflation Reduction Act and lower cost of medical pills as we get older? I, I, I mean, I You're not. looked at a lot of different angles of this so-called Inflation Reduction Act, and it's really not, <laughs> it's not really an Inflation Reduction Act, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of good things in it, right. but I, I don't see how it's going to reduce inflation. I knew you would have um, opinion, Nick. 
reducing, you know, inflation is already going to be reduced. I mean, we're starting to see food costs and gasoline costs come down and things like that, but it's not going to go as low as it was prior to COVID. So we are going to see a little, a period of higher inflation, but I think we've seen peak inflation. So what else do we need to know about Social Security? Um, We see a big jump in the income and it feels good, but it also means that Social Security fund might run out a little bit sooner than later. Is that something we should be worried about? Well, I mean, you're you're going to see, I mean, here's the deal. It's it's not, you know, something that's running out of money. It's the issue is, is the estimates are by 2034, there's going to be more being paid out of Social Security than going into it through payroll taxes. So um, when you look at your pay stub, there's FICA taxes. You pay half, your employer pays half. Um, if you're self-employed, you pay both halves. That's important for people to know before they you know go out on their own. Um, and so things are going to change. There's already you know, pushes to increase at what amount of people's income is subject to Social Security slash, you know, FICA taxes. So um, it's, it, there's going to have to be a change, either higher taxes on people's income uh, to, to support Social Security or reduction in benefits in the future or continue to push off the age to, say, 70, right? Right now, you can take it as early as 62. Most people should wait till they're 70 to take it. And, and it, it's going to change. The biggest decision now is, you know, when do you take it? Now, if you're single and you're not very healthy and you know you're not going to live past, much past age 80, typically it's going to pay for you to just, you know, take it as soon as possible. That's about the only type of situation. When you're married, you have to think about, okay, let's say you're husband and wife and husband did the majority of the work and has the higher social security check projected at age 70. Um, you know, wife, maybe she stayed at home for the kids for a while and it affected her earnings and her check is smaller. It's important to note that even if the husband isn't very healthy, maybe he's only projected to live till he's 75, you might want to still wait till you're 70 to take social security because when the first person passes away, the surviving spouse keeps the bigger check. So, um, you got to look at health. You got to look at the earnings situation. You got to look at how long money is going to last. Most of the time we're, we're telling people these days if they're healthy and they're going to live beyond, you know, likely mid eighties to try to wait till you're 70 to take social security. And it's like a big investment return every year you wait. Is it an 8% return you get? Yeah. From your full retirement age to age 70, it's typically around a, you know, projected to be about an 8% rate of return. That's great. So if you were to have a lump sum of money that goes from a certain amount at age 67 to paying you a certain amount at age 70, it's like having an 8% rate of return. So that's pretty good these days, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times where it plays to, to wait is that if people, people have to realize that about 80, most cases, about 85% of your social security is taxable income. So if you're retiring and you're trying to do tax strategies that you know you're going to have more than you need left over that's going to go to your children when you pass away at, say, age 100, yes. then from the date of retirement, until age 70 is a really key period of time to be able to do small IRA to Roth conversions to max out existing tax brackets, which is another reason to put Social Security off so that you don't so that you can do more of those IRA to Roth conversions so that you have a tax free pool of money that goes tax free forever for you and another 10 years for your children. Um, So it's, you know, you've really got to map these things out. We have specific software that runs analysis on when should people take Social Security. And sometimes we get weird results like 
you know, you take it at 67 and a half and your spouse takes it at age 70 or, you know, things like that that occur. Should I ask my CFP, Brad, who works with EP Wealth, who's under your command as a regional director, should I ask him to run the IRA, IRA to Roth conversions for me? Because I'll be honest, that is an area that I really feel intimidated trying to guess tax brackets and do I do it now in a down market? Do I do it in an up market? Should Brad be sitting down with me and, and walking me through this? Uh, not now because your earned income is too high to for okay. it to probably make sense. But as soon as you retire and you have that period of time where you can live off of cash and dividends and interest, which you know, dividends from U.S. stocks are, are taxed uh, tax like capital gains. So there's a big amount that you can take without taxes and then, you know, a large amount up to 15%. It, it, that's a golden period. And, and, and our planners do it automatically. Um, it's not really something you have to ask for. It's something that we bring to the table, okay. um, depending on your situation. And, you know, if you're projected to leave a lot of assets to your kids, um, Annuities and IRAs and 401ks are the worst things you can leave because they're going to pay taxes at their bracket, which is you know probably the highest bracket that they're going to have at the time of your death because they're going to be at their highest years of earnings, you know, highest earnings period when people typically inherit money. So um, the best assets are Roth IRAs because kids can take it into their name and have another ten years of growth totally tax free, and then stocks and real estate get a step up basis and they can you know get those and sell whatever they want tax free. So if for especially for wealthier people, the idea of, okay, I'm at a lower tax bracket than my kids and I want to leave them tax-free money, let's do small amounts of IRA to Roth conversions every year. Um, November's a really good time to do that because you can know what your total tax situation is for the year. And maybe you have you know 30 grand left at the 22% tax bracket that you can do. And so you do a $30,000 IRA to Roth conversion, pay the taxes now and let it grow tax-free forever. I know a CFP will never answer this question, but should my wife bury me in a shoebox in the backyard if I die at 64, dig me up when I'm 70 and say, oh, he just died. Let's get a higher social security payout. Well, I thought the plan was that <laughs> she was still going to put you in one of those um, lateral freezers in the basement and continue to collect your social security check. That could happen. That can happen. <laughs> what, was, what was the housewife show that, that happened that we used to talk about? Yeah, it was one of the... Desperate Housewives. It wasn't Des- that. Yeah, Desperate Housewives. Okay. I think it was, it was the old lady that did not. She collected the pension check and the social security check for like a couple of years. Didn't, didn't tell anybody who was gone. With that said, we've got about a minute. Is there anything left in this segment we need to, to bleed out of social security? No, it's, it's, it's kind of on distribution planning. It's, there's the retirement date until social security kicks in and then distribution planning once your required minimum distribution kicks in, which is your forced withdrawals from IRAs, 401ks, 403bs at age 72. And so there's the kind of different phases of planning. Quick question. You use the phrase often, husband and wife. Have you run into many situations where you're dealing with a husband and husband, i.e. a gay couple or a wife and wife? How is their social security and financial planning maybe different at this point in time legally versus a husband and wife? Uh, well, not much, and it depends on how long they're married and you know which state they're into in terms of how it's recognized. So, yeah, we deal with that all the time. Good. It's good to know that you've got capabilities to meet all scenarios and all situations. Chad, we're talking risks in retirement this segment. Um, there's some obvious ones. Inflation, not saving enough, bond rates, CD rates, 
long-term care? What happens if you have two to three years of draining expenses on your your nest egg? Um, But let's talk about sequence of returns risk. I don't even know what that means. Sure. Well, the sequence of return risks are, you know, what point in time are you retiring? Okay. Um, A lot of times um, during our seminars, which we got to get back going again, right? Yep. Um, I'll I'll show a a sequence of return situation where somebody retires in the 70s with a balanced portfolio of 40% stock, 60% bonds. And they invested in, in that scenario and they pull out 4% 4% a year to live, increasing with inflation, and they end up with a ton of money. But then I take the order of those returns and just flip it on a mirror. Uh, like, you know, just the, the, the returns at the end come in the beginning, and they literally run out of money in 32 years because of the order of returns. And so, you know, when I got into this business at age 19, I was in college majoring in engineering and math, and I was just a numbers guy. And the I, when I saw those types of situations and realized, okay, the stock market averages on eleven percent. So if, even if you look right now over the last fifty years, the S and P five hundred has averaged over eleven percent. Even with the Great Recession, with COVID, with what we have now, um, the returns are really, really good. But it's only positive seventy percent of the time. Thirty percent of the time, it's negative. And so if you can imagine somebody that retired in 1999, Rob, that was the only, 2000, 2001, and 2002 was only the second time we had three years of declines right in a row in the stock market since right after the Great Depression. So you went through this huge bull market run in 1999, you retired, but you didn't alter your portfolio. So you're dealing with three years worth of declines and you're drawing all the way down that is a, a really bad situation if you don't if you're not prepared for a downturn. So for example, it's just math, right? If 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 you have $100,000 and you have a 50% decline, you end up with $50,000, right? I, I, yeah, I knew that one. So how much do you have to get to get break, to break even? I know this one cuz I've listened to your show before, so I'll I'll leave it up to the audience to come up with an answer in their head. <laughs> okay, so 100% rate of return. That's right. right? That's right. I knew that. So if um and if you so if the market drops but then you sell to live you're forced to sell because you have to pay your expenses good luck right it's it's just it's called you know mathematical snake oil it just it just continues to decline and decline and so the market always recovers but if you're drawing on the way down it's really tough okay and so you five years prior to retirement I like people to have a portfolio that has three years worth of their projected portfolio draws in safe money whether that's you know high-yielding FDIC-insured accounts, T-bills, I-bonds. Um, in some cases, there's certain types of fixed no-commission annuities that could work for this, but there's no risk at all. So short-term bonds don't work because there's risk when rates go up. It's, right. it's no risk at all. That's what you're looking for. And then a balanced portfolio so that when you do retire in 1999 or in 2007, you're educated, you're prepared, you know that those tough times come. And as long as you have cash, dividends, and interest to live off of from the peak down to the trough back to the recovery, you're going to be just fine. Because these situations that we're living through now will happen every you know seven to 10 years. Right. And you just don't pay attention to it when you're working because you're funding your 401k every two weeks and you just don't care. But as soon as you retire and you have this resource, this, this you know nest egg, as you call it, that's got to last 35 years, 
people's risk tolerance drops like a rock. It's crazy. They go from being aggressive to, oh my gosh, what's happening today in the market? And they watch it too much. So you have to have a plan in place knowing that, okay, the market's going to average 10, 11% on stocks. You can't be 100% in stocks unless you're ultra wealthy. Um, so you have to have a plan for when those times are bad because 30% of the time, instead of selling stocks for a gain to live, you're going to be living off of your cash. And I like to say that inflation is the boogeyman. And it's the Jason Voorhees, the Michael Myers. It's the scariest thing out there for a retiree. Would you agree with that? Or is that just one of the many boogeymans? It's one of the big, bo- bigger boogeymans for sure. I mean, I, I would call it sequence of returns is the biggest risk and having right. a withdrawal strategy. Inflation should already be projected into your financial plan before you retire, knowing if you have enough to actually retire with inflation that will be there. Um, you know, still in an environment of low interest rates on bonds and CDs is a big one. And then long-term care and other health costs in retirement. Those are the biggest risks that we face. Do we have enough time to get into long-term care and other health costs or is that a bigger segment or is it both? It's a, it's a pretty big segment. You have to realize, you know, are you able to self-insure because you have quite a bit of assets? Um, the, that insurance is kind of a joke these days. It's, you know, it's all repriced people that have bought it have faced massive increases. There are ways to buy life insurance where you can use the death benefit early to pay for health insu- to long-term care costs. It, really, it's a matter of projecting it, knowing it's an issue, and what is the plan and discussing the plan with your family. You want the home sold? Do you want care in home? You know, it's, it, there's a lot that goes into that piece. And my family had to go through that where my mother's health started to decline about 10 years before she passed. And it was interesting because the heirs, the brothers and sisters, the siblings, we didn't have different opinions except for one or two of us. And one or two of us would visit mom a little bit more. And one or two of us would say, you know, let's, let's manage her portfolio slightly differently so we can pay for that uh, healthcare cost. We've got 30 seconds. Do you want to take us to, to break or take us to wrap up? Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of times it's selling a home to pay for those healthcare costs, but then you give up step up and basis. So there's a lot of issues that go into that long-term care discussion. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. He's got podcasts available, downloads, and you can also meet with him and find more information about what a financial planner does at chadburton.com. 